You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Thanks, Dan. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you out this weekend. It's good to see so many returning from spring break, and I hope you and your family had a good time of rest and enjoyment, and um, I'm so glad that you're back today. Uh, This past week has been awesome. We had a group of teens, about 20 in total, that came in on their spring break and cleaned this place from top to bottom. And as you look around and see the handprints temporarily wiped off the wall until we get more on there and spots temporarily removed from the carpet until after this service when you kick over a few copies, uh, coffees, you can thank them for that. So let's, let's thank them. They were all here last night couple of them are right down front uh, this morning. Now, those of you that are new to MCC, we, we especially welcome you. And I hope that over this next 30 minutes that you'll join all of us in completing that Connect card that you received inside your program. Those of you that are online, if you'll send me a message on Facebook or if my number's out there on the site as it is, sometimes text me. I want to know that you're here, Right? And I want to know what's going on in your life. We do. There's an opportunity for you to share that. And and on the back, great, great opportunities to connect and be involved beginning this Wednesday night at our midweek meal and at our midweek time of teaching and small groups. I hope that that you'll take the time to let us know that you're here today and how we can partner with you. Well, grab your Bibles this morning as we begin this new series, Breaking Point, and I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Now, we've been there the last couple of weeks, and we're going back towards the beginning in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to pick up in verse 3, and over the next seven weeks of this series, we're going to go verse by verse through what is known as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, the the teaching, these life-giving principles that God gives us when we find ourselves at that breaking point. Uh, Some some of you may remember the story of the dad that was, it could be any one of us men, that was laying on the couch one afternoon trying to catch a nap, and his young son, four or five years old, his young son came to him and said, Daddy, Daddy, let's let's go outside, let's let's do something. And he was, the dad was wore out, and he said, Son, he said, "I, I just need to catch a little bit more of a nap. And he thought, I need something to occupy this boy. And so he saw a newspaper close by. And on the front of that that newspaper, it had a picture of the world, picture of the globe, right? And and all the states, all the continents, all of the, the, uh, the places there. And so he took that page out of the paper, and the dad cut it into 50 or more pieces, jagged edges. And he handed it to his son. He said, now, son, I want you to go to your room, and I want you to put this together. Here's some scotch tape to hold it together. I want you to put it back together, and then when you're finished, you come and get me. You wake me up, and we'll go, we'll go play. And so thinking that he had at least a couple of hours to lay down and catch up on his rest, he laid back down, and 15 minutes later, no kidding, the boy came to him with this picture put all back together again in perfect alignment. It was as if it hadn't been cut up to begin with. And the dad said, how in the world? How how did you do this? And the little boy looked at him and he said, well, on the back of that map was a picture of a person. And he said, when I got my person back together, the world looked just fine. 
Now, we've all experienced that moment in life when we realize, when we realize that what we've been doing, what we are doing, and what we have planned for the future just isn't lining up. Uh, we find ourselves over and over again at this some type of breaking point in our life, whether it's in relationship, whether it's in raising our children, whether it is in our time, whether it is in our work, we, we find ourselves at this point where it feels like everything's going to come off the wheel, the wheel's off the track, right? And, and sometimes, maybe even today, you find yourself in that point where, where everything's broken. It's in pieces, and you wonder how to put it back together. Well, God, I've got good news for you because a long time ago, God stepped into this world and he spoke these words through the prophet Isaiah. He said, I have seen your ways. I've seen your brokenness. I, I see what's going on. He said, I've seen your ways. I will guide you. I will restore comfort to you. I'll even bring back praise on the lips of mourners. Some, some of you this morning, I had a friend last night that I've known since high school. And he waited until late in life to meet the woman that God had planned for him. And they've shared the last 15 or so years together, adopted two boys together. And she passed away suddenly just a couple of weeks ago. And in the middle of his mourning, where did he come? He came, he came here. God says, I... I will return praise on the lips of the mourners. Peace to those who are far, as Dan referred to this morning, who have yet to come in out of the field, and I'll give peace to those who have come home and who are near, says the Lord. And he says, I will. I will heal you. Now I want you to notice there are five promises in this very short passage. And there are five promises, not just for Israel, not just for the people of old, but for you and I today. And that is, if you're hurt, God says what? I'll heal you. If you're hurting, I can, I can bring comfort to you. I can, and I will. I will heal you. If you're confused about what direction to turn, you've been stuck in the cycle of brokenness over and over again, he, he says, if you're confused, I'll lead you. If you feel helpless, I'm right here. Take hold of my hand. If you feel alone, God says, I'll comfort you. And if you feel anxious and afraid, I will offer you peace. Peace if you will have it. Now, since the beginning of time, we've searched for what God promises right here. But we've searched in all the wrong places. We've tried to find it within ourselves. We've tried to find it in other people. We've tried to find it in hobbies and in interests, in wealth, in pleasure. We try to find it every place except for the one place where we can find tested and proven principles that lead to healing, that lead to life to the full, that lead to fulfillment. And these principles are what are spoken by Jesus Christ here. There's eight of them, and we're going to begin with the first. And the first principle is this, I can't do it alone. And the it, you can fill that in with anything. I can't do relationship, I can't do work, I can't praise you, I can't have love, I can't show love, I cannot do it alone. I can't make the life-giving adjustments that are needed alone. When I find myself broken or on my way to that, 
I need God. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has a crowd before him. This place was packed last night. It's so exciting. The last week of spring break, and we still had a full room, over 60 teens that hung out after church, and we fed them, and they, they were fed the word, right, as they got to go into their discussion groups. Right now, on the lower level, a brand new group of upper elementary, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, have Jake that that you guys are supporting right now, part-time with us, that's leading this group of upper elementary in a, in a time of worship and, and teaching. And he's got other young people down there with him, teaching them how to lead. And they began last night with double their number. And, and I pray this morning that they're finding the same. My daughter's in that group, and she's so excited about that today. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has this crowd around him, and he shares these words to those that are experiencing life, just like you and I. People who find ourselves over and over again at this point where we feel like we're going to fall into pieces. And the first principle, he says, is I can't do this alone. I, I, I love the new NIV, and I, but I love the New Living Translation. The NIV says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. How, how many of us have heard that first beatitude, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are broken, who are empty, for theirs is the kingdom, the kingdom that God has come and God has brought through Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to the New Living Translation. It, 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 it makes even more sense. God blesses those who realize their need for him. Now, now, most of us in this room, I realize this is nothing new for you. You've recognized this over and over again in life, that God blesses us when we realize our need for him and we engage him. But my question for those of us today who are already there right, that have experienced this truth, that know this truth, is why do we always have to keep coming back to it? Why is it that even as Christ followers, we find ourselves at this point of breakdown of our marriages, of our families, uh, of our lives? Why, why do we find ourselves in these addictions? And then we have to come back to this over and over again. But it is the reality it's the reality that points us back to this truth that we need God. You may not like it. You may fight that idea for years, but it doesn't change the fact that we can't find wholeness. We can't find peace. We can't find true life without him. And while many spend their lives fighting against that, rejecting that, that whatever we've been using to, to self-medicate, we, we finally realize it only leaves us in a deeper pain. I, I've got a friend that, that had real back pain, right? Back pain is just miserable, those of you that have experienced this long-term, not just a, a sore back from a couple of days, but for weeks and months on end. And his doctor prescribed him medication, pain medication, and his own testimony to me is, I've been on this stuff for years. And he said, I finally realized not only am I addicted to it, but it's causing pain in my life. We realize this in relationship. Relationship after relationship never satisfies. We, we realize that our grief, 
our grief, not just over death, but over change, over our kids growing up and moving off, the grief that we feel for them when they experience hard times and loss. It's just too much for us to carry on our own. But this is when God can move into our lives if we'll let him. With healing and restoration, this is where Jesus is pointing us. And that is when we recognize that what brought me to this breaking point, when we realize that what brought us to this point was founded on a choice that we made, choosing the choice also was there, and it is mine for my healing. What brought me to this breaking point began with the choice, and so does my healing. The Bible tells us that we choose all the time to do things that aren't good for us, even when we know better. Even when we know better, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man. Now, this isn't just talking about men trying to find their way someplace and not asking for directions. The Bible's speaking to all of us as mankind. We have in our ideas the way that, in our mind, what our relationships should look like. We have in our mind what church should be. We have in our mind what finances should look like and our work schedule and how our kids should be raised. We have all of this in our mind, and it seems right. But any plan, any idea that falls outside of the commands and boundaries of God's word will result in breaking points. It will result in death, physical death, spiritual and emotional death. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. And we refer to this, the Bible refers to this as our human nature, as our sin nature. As Dan exposed to us this morning, that sin nature that just continues to pull at our soul. And our sin nature shows itself in very distinct ways. And this morning, I want to point out just a couple of those to us in this room. Our sin nature shows itself. If you'll step back with me for just, just a minute out of the heat of your situation, out of the heat of your, your broken marriage or your, your difficulty at work or at home or, or your grief, if you'll step away for just a minute, you'll see this. My sin nature shows itself in my tendency to do wrong. Why do we always choose? Why is it easier for us to choose things that are outside of God's command for our life instead of following God? Why, why do we even consider those things? Why is it that we scan the channels just hoping to stop on a piece of flesh? Why is it? Why is it that when we know what we ought to say and do to encourage our spouse, we choose to do the opposite? My tendency to do wrong. You see, as long as we're on earth, you and I will wrestle with this human tendency. Even after becoming a Christian, we still have desires, desires that pull us in the wrong direction. The Apostle Paul that we hold up, that we revere today, who authored, who penned, Jesus, or God and his Holy Spirit authored, but, but who penned the words to half of our New Testament. He said in Romans 7, 15, he said, I don't understand myself at all for what I really want to do. I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. 
He says, instead, I do everything that I hate. I know perfectly well, I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong. But I can't help myself. (laughs) And he comes to this realization that it is sin inside of him that makes him do these evil things. Does it sound familiar? Sound familiar? Sure it does. If you're human, sure it does. I can't tell you how many times I've told Sarah that I was going to change my behavior. But two weeks later, sometimes two days later, I've gotten past the thing of changing in in two hours, right, falling back. At least I can make it a day or two. I hope you can ask her. She's not turned the lights out on me or anything right now, so it must be okay. But I've done within weeks what I promised not to do. My number one offense at home is stress. I, I know I shouldn't be stressed. I only work two days a week. Most preachers, though, only have to work one day a week. But we got Saturday night service, and so there's stress to that. And I promise her, I, on the drive home, I'm going to chill out. When I get home, it's going to be me, you, and the girls. No, nobody else is going to be up here. And if I don't fall asleep in the chair, I still let it let it shine through. She can tell. She says, you put us all on edge when you come home that way. This morning, we're on the way to church. She said, why do you have to bother me? Right? I was already in the mood. Why do you have to make it worse? What is it for you? You ever catch yourself wanting to? I mean, I, I want to do better at that. It does me no good to have her in that state of mind. But do you ever catch yourself trying to stop something on your own power only to find that you make the same mistake? Goodness, you have an angry outburst. Some of you are trying so hard to put that away for good. But but then you just find yourself, you you just respond in anger and you justify. You say, well, I, I just had enough. I just can't keep it in anymore. Uh, maybe, maybe you start drinking again. For heaven's sakes, if you find yourself, if you find yourself not being able to tolerate, not being able to stop at one drink, why do you pick up another one? Don't tell me it's a disease. Realize it's a choice. It's a choice. Just like me and my cholesterol. It gets up to 600. I say no more sweets. But then I have one. And then I have another one. Right? And it turns into instead of one cookie, I put five more in and have six. I put ice cream on top of them. If you can't stop at one, don't choose to take any. Right? Choose not to take any. Maybe you look one more time. Maybe you post one more thing on the Facebook or social media without thinking about it, without sleeping on it for at least two or three days, but you just got to get your opinion out there. What is it for you? What is it for you that that sin nature just wells up inside of you and you just can't say no? Second, our sin nature, our human nature is shown by our desire to be in control. Why do we make the same choices over and over again? Why do we repeat the same mistakes? At the root of our human tendency to do wrong is our desire to be in control. We want to choose. We say, I can handle it. It's my body. It's what I want. 
We decide what's right and wrong. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We see it in our children every day, right? We start out at a young age. Don't put your finger in the light socket, right? Electrical outlet. What do they do? They go stick their finger right in it. Uh, you might as well just go ahead and hand them a screwdriver and say, here, use this instead, right? It'll spark and that'll be the end of it. Not as bad as their finger. You, we tell our kids, don't put your hand near the stove. Hot or cold, just don't go near it. Well, they do, they make a beeline there. I remember when Olivia was four or five years old, she had a Mickey Mouse that was that tall, a stuffed Mickey. And she walked right into the kitchen, and she was so good. We never had to tell her not to do anything like that. But she walked in that day, and she laid that Mickey up on the stove. And that Mickey melted like you wouldn't believe. There were not enough bandages in the house to put Mickey back together. No matter, and we tried. Mickey had tape and bandages on him for months. Trying to be in control is our oldest, mankind's oldest challenge. God created the world, the universe, and he created man and woman, and he set us on the earth, and he said, all of this is yours. <laughs> I had a friend last night who just traveled out west, and they were in the Grand Canyon. They were on Pikes Peak. They were in Las Vegas, right? All the things that God created in downtown Vegas, the fancy casinos, they saw it all. Uh, the Grand Canyon they saw. In 10 days they saw, and they didn't even scratch the surface of all that God's made. And God made all of this. And he said to Adam and Eve, he says, it's all yours. <laughs> Enjoy it. Walk in it. Use it. Live in it. Don't even have to wear clothes. Boy, what a day. But he said, don't bother this one thing. And what'd they do? I mean, it was almost same day, made a beeline for it. But it goes beyond just being in control. We want to be in control without the consequences. We don't want to own the mess that we've gotten ourselves into. It's always somebody else's fault. Oh, it was my upbringing. Oh, it's my genetics. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. We don't want to own the outcome. And when we're presented with the outcome and we deny it, what we're doing is we're denying our weaknesses and we're denying the truth about our lives. Denial sounds like this. I worked hard, so I deserve to stop and unwind on my way home from work at the bar. It doesn't mean I have a problem. Addictions, a disease. I can't help it. It's not a choice. If I tell her the truth, well, she'll leave me. So, so it's better to just go on. I, I had a friend who had an affair several years ago, and it wasn't the first. In fact, it was the second or the third, and I sat down with him. I, or he actually called me, and we sat down, and I said, What, what are you doing? Right? What, why? Are you in the middle of this? And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he said, well, she, she's going to accept me back home again. And I said, well, well, please don't go home and do the same thing that you've been doing because it's obviously not working, right? Do something different this time in your marriage. If we don't talk about it, 
Sarah's family loves this. If we don't talk about it, it'll go away. The new one today is I was born this way. I was born this way. Now it's time for you to accept me. God says this about denial in Jeremiah 6.14. He's speaking of us, those who deny our sin nature. They dress the wound as though it were not serious. <laughs> they say, peace, peace. But there's no peace. Have you heard it? I've heard it over and over again. Did you turn on every talk show on the TV? You watch any news show. It's just a matter of you saying, oh, it's okay. It's a matter of you getting somebody to, to justify, to agree with you. But it's not. It's not. Mickey will never, Mickey will never be able to put his own skin back together. No matter how many bandages, Mickey will never be whole again. King David wrote, my dishonesty made me miserable and filled my days with frustration. Ask any appliance repairman. Anybody ever had a broken appliance and tried to have somebody come over and fix it? But first, you tinkered with it. Right? I, you opened it up, you found the little thing frozen in the bottom, so you just took a hammer and tapped it a few times. You ask any repairman, ask any repairman, and he will tell you that the worst kind of damage he's seen to an appliance is the kind that results from people trying to fix it themselves. And the same is true for us. Pain comes when we realize that we can't control everything, that we can't fix everything. Have you ever thought about how much time we spend running from pain? How much we try to ignore it, how much we try to deny it, how much we try to escape it or reduce it or postpone it? We, we postpone our pain by not eating or by eating. We we try to escape pain by self-medicating, getting drunk, smoking something, vaping something, only to experience more pain, right? We, we experience pain in relationship. That This relationship's what I really need, only discover that it wasn't. You get out, and then you start again. David went on to write, my strength evaporated like water on a sunny day until I finally admitted Admitted my sins to you, God, and stopped trying to hide them. The fi time finally comes when we realize that we can't control, and being in control ourselves isn't getting it. And that's when we see our life is about to be in pieces, or we wake up after 20 years and say, it is in pieces. And that's where Jesus steps in in Matthew 5, 3, with this first principle. And he reminds us that the first place we need to start when we're broken is to admit that we're powerless, to admit that we cannot on our own fix ourselves, to admit, as he said, we are poor in spirit. <laughs> we are poor in spirit and that we need him. For those of us who grieve, have grieved, are grieving, this is when we admit that we can't bring life back to the one who's gone ahead of us. 
We can't change the reality of what has happened. But what we can do is examine how we live today and how we engage those around us. I'm often asked, how how do you deal with so many funerals? I had one this past week. How do you deal with that? Well, I deal with it by understanding that what happened to them could happen to me at any time or my family. And so what do I do? Do I go home and mourn about it? Do I go home and, and put my head to bed thinking it's just, it's just all death? No, I go home and I hug my girls. I go home and say, let's go out to dinner tonight. The heck with leftovers, right? It, it propels us. But it's when we hit rock bottom, when we're physically, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt, that this is the breaking point. For those who've resisted taking responsibility for past choices, what do we do? We admit that we're responsible for our own actions and choices. And we begin making choices that are healthy, that are in the boundaries of God's teaching and commands for our good. We realize that we need God. We need him to deal with our past. Right? We can't use that as a crutch anymore. And the thing about God is God specializes in using our past. You can't use it as a reason not to move forward. Why? Because God's going to take your past and he's going to use it in some way that you will be amazed by. The second thing that Jesus is telling us to do It's this reality that we need God to pull us up out of the pit that we've dug for ourselves. When I was on vacation with Sarah's family, the girl's uncle Dennis, my brother-in-law, Denny, Roy, we call him. He he is just a child at heart, even though he's in his 30s now. But he went for, he's always the first one on the beach with the other boys. And he dug a hole in the beach that was over six foot deep, right? It, It looked like a grave. But he dug this huge hole. And then they started digging another hole. But the thing about this hole was the kids got down in it. My my Emma got down in it. And, you know, her head was that far below the top of it. You know, she she disappeared in there. But they couldn't get out. Every time they tried to pull themselves up, the sand just collapsed around them. It's the same thing in our lives. We can't pull ourselves out. Oh, we think we can. But the reality is, is we need God's redemption. We, we need him to take that mess, that hole that we've dug, and, and put some steps in it. We need his forgiveness. And most of all, we need his life-changing power. See, they could sit in that hole and they could say all day, I can get out of this hole. I can get out of this hole. I believe I can get out of this hole. I claim that I can get out of this hole. But it's when we realize that willpower isn't enough. Even if we say, I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps, as the older generation used to say. The reality is, is we need someone other than ourselves. We need God. And the reason why it's God, my friends, and nothing else is because you were made with a need for him. You are his creation. You are not your own creation. You're not the result of something crawling out of an ocean and evolving over millions and billions of years. You didn't happen because of some big bang. You are God's creation, and because he created you, he decided. 
He decided what you need and what you don't need. And one of the things that he created you to need was himself. Now, don't you dare twist that, that he's made you into a robot, that he's already decided everything for you because he hasn't. Adam and Eve prove it. He gives you the choice. Every one of us have the choice in how we live. But that does not negate the fact that as he created us, he created us with a need, a yearning, a desire for relationship with him. Our problem is, is we try to fill it with everything else and we look at others who are doing that and we think that they're okay, but they're not. He's the only one who's at work in our past, who's work in our presence, and he's at work in the choices that we make for the future. He's right here in the midst of this first life healing choice. Jesus said, with man this is impossible, what? But with God all things are possible. Now choosing to admit it is another thing. Choosing to admit that we can't do it alone, that we need God, is the first and the hardest choice. It's hard to admit. I've hit the bottom and I need help. It's hard to admit, I have a problem. I have a problem with stress. I have, I have a problem with sweets. I have a problem with drinking. I have a, a problem with what I can find on the computer or my phone today easier than ever before. I have a problem and I need help. It's hard to admit I'm so broken by the loss of. I don't know that I can go on. It's hard to admit I've sidestepped God's plan for relationship and I need help. Admitting that we can't cope with the grief that we have alone that we can't overcome a choice that's now become an addiction, admitting that we, that we continue to make bad relationship choices. It's humbling. And that's the third part of Jesus' life-giving choice, and that is I'm not God, and I don't have it all together. That's where it begins, by admitting that, by admitting the need. Others know it, God knows it, you know it, but we've got to admit it. And James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud, but those who will humble themselves, he gives grace. He gives healing. Jesus gives us this life-changing principle when we're at our breaking point, no matter what the breaking point is, and that is God blesses those, and he will bless you who will realize and admit your need for him. And what's the great thing about the breaking points that we're going to explore together over the next seven weeks is when we find ourselves ready to break or already broken, when we find ourselves at the bottom, we can realize that God has a purpose, plan, and a promise to pick us up and set us back on our feet where we can walk in his blessing. Remember his promise? If you're hurt, say it with me. If you're hurt, I'll heal you, he says. Anybody hurt? Today, if you're confused about what direction to turn, what does God say? I'll lead you. I'll lead you. Problem is we don't want to follow, but, but he's right there, and he's willing to lead you. God says if you feel helpless, which how many of us feel helpless when we find ourselves at the bottom, and we just can't seem to say no to our human desire, our sinful will, he says, when you, when you feel alone, when you feel helpless, I'll help you. When you feel alone, God says what? I'll comfort you. 
If you feel anxious and afraid, God says, I'll offer peace to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What choices, what hurts, what circumstances have brought you to that place of brokenness in your life? Maybe someone has cut your world into pieces. Maybe like someone I talked to this week, they've had this person try to guide them. They've had this person try to guide them. But when it comes to seeking the one who has the answer and the truth for their life, they haven't gone there yet. The answer is, is that if you will seek him and let him put the pieces back together, everything else, your relationships, your, your finances, your work, life, those things will find their own place as you align with him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you poor in spirit this weekend? Good. Recognize your need for God and let him bring you into his kingdom of life. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for demonstration of that love through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for the reality to understand that the reason why we feel broken sometimes is, is the reality of the brokenness around us that we have looked to, that we filled ourselves with, and that we've not leaned on you. Today, we change that. Today, we want to know your blessing. Today, we want to know you and your life-changing power. Today, we admit that what we've tried to do on our own continues to fall short, that we're powerless, if you will, on our own. But with you, everything's possible. Continue, Father, to make the change in our hearts that have surrendered to you. And for those who have yet to call you Lord, well, may nothing hold them back today as they come to you for your spirit to fill them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're outside a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity to respond today, to say, I am empty. Come and fill me. If you're a believer that has surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, but yet you find yourself continuing to be pulled, your desires have taken you in a way that, that you didn't really intend to go, but now you realize you're there. Well, come and, and let's pray about that. Let's, let's look at truth about that. And, let, and let's get back on the path that leads to life. Come as we admit this need now in song.